wanted to merge economic profitability with environmental sustainability. Hey everyone, that is Chris Hildreth speaking, owner of the urban agriculture company called Topsoil. On today's episode, we're going to discuss urban agriculture and how it may just change the world, or at least change the way you eat. I'm your host, Matthew Boyd, and welcome to Monorail City. Monorail City, Monorail City, a place for me and you. Monorail City, Monorail City, where all your dreams come true. Now, when you sat down for dinner last night, maybe you had a garden salad or a barbecue or a delicious pizza, or if you have young kids, maybe you had spaghetti again. And as you're eating this food, did you ever pause to think where it all came from? Where did the lettuce come from? The ground beef, the bananas, the salt, are they local? And if not, how far away did they travel to get there onto your plate? Chances are that, like most people, you have absolutely no idea. You, like me, probably just walked into a grocery store with a list, purchased your food, and then walked out of the grocery store without a pause of consideration as to where that food originated from and the logistics of how it got to you. So take a guess. How many kilometers do you think the average meal has traveled before it gets to your table? The answer is around 5,000 kilometers. And just think of all the transportation logistics and resources required for the food to travel that distance. The thing I've always found interesting is that the movement of goods rarely ever comes up in any public discussions or debates about transportation. We hear people debating about bicycle lanes and transit projects and highways and bridges and the importance of moving people. But you rarely ever hear someone speak up to discuss the movement of goods, which I always find surprising given how dependent we are on it. A great metaphor that I heard is that the goods distribution system is a lot like the pipes or wires in your house. They are deliberately hidden from sight, buried, and quietly rooted through your walls. You barely notice them, but they are quintessential to the overall health of your house. A house is not very useful without pipes and wiring, just like a city is not very useful without a goods distribution system. Edward Humes recently wrote a book called Door to Door. It's a great book that discusses the surprising truths and mounting challenges of the transportation demands of our buy it now, get it today culture. He stresses that our daily existence is now dominated by transportation, particularly with food. Thousands, even millions of kilometers are embedded in everything we touch and eat. The key underlying point that Humes makes in his book is that we are actually at a profound fork in the road, pardon the bad food pun, with regards to transportation and especially the distribution of goods. As people consume more and the expectations of buy it now, get it today increase, all the while the movement of people is increasing and infrastructure isn't changing, then something is going to have to give. It's like we're living in a house that has the plumbing and electrical designed for 10 people and there's now 40 people living in it. So how do we adapt? Well, when it comes to solving the challenges of the movement of people, the best way to address transportation issues is often simply to locate people closer to the places that they want to go, or conversely, locate places where people want to go closer to where people actually live. 
It's been said many times, but an efficient transportation system is usually just the byproduct of a great land use plan. Instead of trying to figure out how to efficiently transport people from A to B, simply find a way to move A closer to B. And for food, the same rule applies. Moving food production closer to where people live, and it eases the distribution system. Instead of acquiring food that has grown or been developed thousands of kilometers away, start growing it in your own backyard. And this is the urban farming revolution. And this is where a young gentleman named Chris Hildreth enters the picture. Chris owns a company called Topsoil that is based in Victoria, British Columbia. Topsoil's business is that they occupy urban spaces that would otherwise go unused, like rooftops or vacant blocks, and transform them into productive and profitable agricultural spaces to create a sustainable, hyper-local food economy. Their tagline is fresh, tasty, and delivered minutes after being picked. It's a great tagline. I met Chris at the downtown library to chat about his business. He's young, energetic, and gives off that contagious aura of an entrepreneurial confidence. When he says he wants to change the world, you can't wait to find out how. How Chris started his company is a really great story. After he finished high school, he traveled for a while and took some classes here and there while working at some restaurants. And after a while, he decided to go back to school full-time, where he found himself attracted to environmental studies. And that's where the light bulb went off that he wanted to start his own business that was built around environmental sustainability. So he enrolled at the University of Victoria, and from his first day of classes there, he geared his entire academic career towards the pursuit of creating a sustainable business. While most people go to university to find out who they are, Chris already knew, and he used that time to cultivate his plan. And it was in the last couple of years of university that he came up with his business idea. I was actually in a food and society sociology course, and I was sitting in the Cornette building, and the professor was talking about um, GMOs and, and how big companies are patenting seeds now, and, mm -hmm. and corn and stuff like that. And I just, I looked at her and I was like, oh, not again, this is like the hundredth time. It's so, okay, we know what the problem is. Now, what, how do we move, what's the solution? And I looked out of the window and I looked onto a roof and it just kind of, I was like, why don't we just grow food on a roof and supply it to, you know, to the people that are around that roof. And voila, Chris had the idea for his sustainable business. After a bit of research, he realized that his idea wasn't exactly new. There was lots of other urban agricultural businesses going on in other major cities like New York and Montreal. But this business didn't exist in the city of Victoria yet. So that was his opportunity. So he wrote his business plan, rolled up his sleeves, and got to work. Uh, and once I finished my last exam, went right to that corner over there, Blanchard and Brownman. Yeah. And we moved a garden onto the roof, and that was the pilot project. So, so that was the first one. Literally the day that I finished university, which was the goal. The goal was to create my job while I was in university, and when I was done, there it is. Yeah. And it was cool that that actually happened. And as the famous saying goes, ideas are easy, but execution is hard. Chris was now suddenly an urban farmer, but he didn't even know how to farm. Thankfully, with farming, like most other things in the world, practice makes perfect. Chris also had another secret weapon, which was a great attitude and a beginner's mindset. I never gardened or farmed up until this point. When I moved the garden onto the rooftop, 
with 2,000 pound missile up there all by myself, th upstairs through a window on that rooftop where the limit is. Had 2,000 pound missile there, I was totally by myself. I looked out the window on, onto the rooftop and I said, oh no, I gotta learn how to grow food now. And I went home and I Googled, I YouTube, read as many books as I could. You know, the cool thing about farming, which is totally my style, it's all experiential learning. You know, you just have to be there, you have to see things happening and your problems arise, you find solutions for them. They're all kind of there. I asked a lot of farmers how to farm, you know, Jesse from Mason Street and, and some other people. And, you know, one piece of advice was if you ask 10 farmers how to grow tomatoes, you're going to get 10 different answers. And that, that really was the one, that was the best piece of advice from a farmer because it really gave me the, um, it gave me the kind of, I guess, strength to be like, oh, I don't need to know what I'm doing. I can figure it out, right? Everyone's, you know, to grow a tomato, I just need to, to grow it. A conundrum that many startup companies have, especially those that can be disruptive to cities, is whether to ask the local government for permission or to beg for forgiveness. Just think about Uber. Commercial urban agriculture was not allowed in the city of Victoria when he started his company. So Chris had to make a decision. Wisely, he went the route of asking for permission because he knew this would be a win-win for everyone. What happened was I moved onto the roof, I got building owners, I got engineers, architects, uh, insurance companies, a restaurant on board, I got a building owner on board. That took about two years to get a building owner to say, yes, you can move 2,000 pounds of soil and run a commercial garden on a roof. Yeah. That's never been done before and we're gonna hope that it's gonna be good. When we got up there, the city of Victoria, now they're very supportive. Back then they said, commercial urban agriculture is not zoned to be allowed in downtown Victoria. So you can do it, but you can't sell it. So at that point, that kind of solidified, I always knew what solidified the job description as a social entrepreneur, because I said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it for free. I'm gonna show you that it can work. I invited them up to the, to the uh, garden that summer a bunch of the uh, people from uh, City Hall, and then four days later, they emailed me and said, Topsoil can move forward as the first commercial urban agriculture business. And boom, his business was now live. His original idea that he came up with while daydreaming in the classroom was now a reality. And once he started growing the food, he soon discovered that the demand was primarily coming from chefs at local restaurants. The chefs were naturally attracted to the absolute freshness and deliciousness of his produce and the sustainable background story. But there was another element of the business that attracted the local chefs that Chris hadn't originally considered. The other aspects, the chefs loved the fact that I, they didn't have to throw away any plastic. I didn't think that would be as big of a, a hook for them as it actually was. Um, because you know they're on the front lines of throwing all of that plastic away oh. because most restaurants probably more now are trying to do it but you know like i said it's easier just to throw it in the garbage they're busy they have so much product to go through it's easier just to rip it open throw it in, throw it in the garbage never forget it or always forget about it you know ah good old single usage plastic destroying the planet one piece at a time i think that will be an, another podcast episode but anyways Something else Chris learned quickly was that the branding and marketing of his business was critical. The name Top Soil, which was suggested by his girlfriend, has that double entendre trick going on with 
topsoil, the noun being the ideal soil of which to grow food, and then the word top, referencing the top of buildings where he's growing this food. But the real ace up Chris's sleeve in the branding department is the letter T, and the power that letter may have in influencing a restaurant patron's menu decision. Here's Chris to explain further. That the T from topsoil, because what it was essentially was a skyline, and then a T that came out that kind of looked like a building, yeah. and then topsoil was on top of the T, but the, the logo was going to be the T. I wanted the T to be on the menus, and I knew at that point that, you know, if you're looking on a menu, there's V for vegan, there's G for gluten-free, there's mm -hmm. F for free range, T can be for topsoil, and I wanted to emulate it after the ocean-wise symbol. When you see the ocean-wise symbol, the first thing that comes to your mind is, Nice, okay, it's sustainable. This fish is sustainable. They're doing some they're doing it the right way. Don't really know what they're doing, but I know from that emblem, that, that oceanwise symbol, they have developed a brand that makes me confident that they're doing the right thing. I wanted the tea to be the exact same thing. When people see it, they go, nice, I can feel good about where this you know produce came from. So the menus for the restaurants that you provide your food for have that tea next to the yeah. The meals. That's cool. Which was really cool. You know, it happened last year and I actually kind of got a little like a little emotional when I saw it at first because it was like, you know, four years ago, I just had the idea and I was, you know, you never think things are really going to happen the way that you think about them. But when it did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is very, you know, there's a little tea beside the menus. And then there's a blurb. It was topsoil. Topsoil is an innovator of agriculture growing food five meters away or whatever it was. And then under that was Ocean-wise, ocean-wise, sustainably hardest yeah. thing. And I was like, boom, there we are. One, one after the other. I was like, we made it. <laughs> it was great, yeah. You'll never look at the letter T the same way again. So Chris is growing food locally, supporting the local economy, and helping the environment. But as the old saying goes, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. So how does he get people engaged? You can break it down into you know, the complexity of the food system, like you were saying, this massive system that, you know, we're never really ever going to understand, um, really, you know, and, and chemicals this and, and corporations that, you know, I've learned from experience that most people don't want to talk about that stuff as passionately as I do, because it's a bummer, you know, you get bummed out or you just get into an argument. And it's no fun for anyone, right? <laughs> so you might as well just not speak about it and have a good time. Um, but it can be broken down to our food travels too far. We can get it there in five minutes. Our food travels too far. We can get it there in five minutes. It's difficult to beat that argument. It's pretty clear that Chris is ahead of the curve. Like many other young entrepreneurs that you would find in Silicon Valley, he doesn't want to just make money. He wants to change the world. He's identified a problem, our food travels too far, and he's found a solution that is both economically profitable and environmentally sustainable. In other words, he's changing the world. So now you're meal planning for tonight's dinner, trying to decide what to purchase and make. And to quote the late Dennis Hopper from one of the greatest transportation films ever, Speed, what do you do? What do you do? Well, there's lots of things you can do. Support businesses like Topsoil, Go to your local farmer's markets or grow stuff in your own backyard or patio. And please stop using plastic bags and packaging as much as possible. 
I also asked Chris at the end of our chat if he had any advice for someone interested in growing their own produce. And his advice was don't ever be intimidated because anyone can learn. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please be sure to write a review on iTunes or tell all your friends. And for more info on Chris's business, please visit www.topsoileatlocal.com. And remember to shop local, select menu items that have a T next to it, and of course, support your local libraries, which is where we recorded this podcast. Thanks, everyone.